First McKinney's missional heart has defined us as we meet needs and grow relationships in order to share Jesus and teach obedience. Twenty-four years after the city of McKinney was founded, 13 people gathered at the courthouse on August 11th to found First Baptist Church of McKinney. Pastor R.C. Buckner not only pastored our church, but also founded Baptist Benevolences, which later became Buckner Orphans Home and now Buckner International. The heart of First McKinney has always been towards missions. In 1924, we commissioned Miss Yuva Majors as our first missionary to China. In 1952, we participated with four other churches to establish a Hispanic mission here in McKinney. Helping the next generation know Jesus has always been a hallmark of First McKinney's ministry. In 1975, the youth group began attending Falls Creek Baptist Encampment. of 1976, groundbreaking began for the building at 1615 West Louisiana Street. And in October of 1977, we held our first service in the sanctuary, the building now known as The Rock. We have hosted many events to welcome the community. In 1996, more than 2,000 carloads of people drove through the yearly presentation of the Nativity Story at our first Christmas journey. February of 2002, the church was excited as we broke ground for our new children's building. In April 2008, many of our mission activities were united into a single effort, Transform Your World, now known as Beyond. Each year, the gospel goes out into the city, the nation, and the world. Sharing the love of Jesus sometimes means going beyond the walls of the church. In 2009, traditional VBS left the building and Mission McKinney was launched so that families all across the town could welcome their neighbors. Additionally, in 2010, Kids Incredible launched to care for the children with special needs and their families. In 2017, our current ministry season began with the Lord leading Sam Holm and his family to pastor at First McKinney. The Good Friday walkthrough experience invites the church and community to come and experience the last days of Jesus in a very real and tangible way. During the COVID pandemic in 2020, we were gifted the opportunity to share Jesus through providing over 50,000 meals for those in need. The Lord has led us to help plant many churches over the years, including Cross Point Church, Templo de Alabanza, Crossroads Cowboy Church, and most recently, Cadence Church in Frisco. From 1872 through 2022, the Lord has done mighty wonders. He has been faithful at every turn, and we know He has so much more in store for us now.
If you have a Bible, grab it. We're going to be in Psalm 78 this morning. I want to thank those who are in our chapel right now, who uh, many of our deacons went in there. Some of you had to go in there for overflow. We're glad you're with us here on campus with us today. And then welcome those who are joining us online. A few weeks ago, my wife and I had the opportunity uh, to do lunch with leaders in our community that we love and respect deeply. As we talked with this family, uh, they talked about how one of those in their home, next generation, was turning and going the other direction. And I don't know if I need to go into this very long, but y'all know right now what's happening in our culture related to the next generation and faith in general. Uh, I'll give you one stat. I'm not going to go into all these stats because it sounds like really bad, but what God's got for us today is really good. Uh, Barna in 2019 released that those that are involved in faith in general in our country that grew up in a home of faith, two-thirds of them between the age of 18 and 22 spend at least one year outside of the church, and many leave the church altogether. Next generation in our country on our watch. Does God have anything to say about that? Uh, Yeah, he does. In fact, uh, Psalm 78 is going to show us, and this is in many different places in the Bible, that to reach the next generation, we need to have a 150th anniversary. Uh, But we need to do it the right way, not the wrong way. So as we kick off the next five weeks of celebrating what God has done not what we do, right, what God has done. I want you to see what God's Word says because if you see this, even if you're not part of our church today, if you see what God says and you do this right, you can be part of turning the tide in the next generation in our culture. If you are with us here in the room or in overflow and invite you to stand, even if you're at home, in honor of God's word, if you want to stand with us as we read, this is Psalms chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78. Before in your Bible, even verse 1, you might see it says a miscal of Asaph. If you're doing the Bible reading plan with us this year, we read yesterday in 1 Chronicles 25 that Asaph was one of three people chosen to lead worship in the temple. And he wrote 12 psalms. So wasn't it good to see the choir back with us today? I mean, that was fun, yeah? This is like Justin preaching this morning, all right? So here we go. Love you, Justin. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them. The children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that 
they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. The word of the Lord. If you're able to kneel, I'm gonna invite you to get on your knees. If not, you can just sit down there in the pew. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we need you to speak. God, we need this to be more than just a, a celebration of a church. God, we, we need this to be something that you use to change our lives for your glory. I want to invite you right now to confess to God anything in your life that is going on in rebellion against God. Confession, even the word, means to agree with. You're, you're saying, God, I know it's wrong. God, we confess our sin to you uh, because we need the Holy Spirit to speak to us and we know we can resist the Spirit. We can quench the Spirit. We can grieve the Spirit. God, we confess that we are sinful people. We are a sinful generation, and we need you to speak into our lives. I'd ask also that you pray for me, that my words would be clear, and the Spirit would help me to teach God's word. So Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Use this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So 150th anniversary, what are we gonna do as a church? Well, I want you to let this text tell us not just what the church, like the building's supposed to do. You are the church, the people. What do we do? And, and I believe as we're in this unique time in our culture where many would say there's a battle that's being fought for the next generation. What does God say that we can do? Psalm 78, verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. A.K.A., listen up. Asaph says that what he's about to say you need to hear. I will open my mouth in a parable. I'm going to teach you, interesting, as he sings. This is a song from a worship leader. And I will utter dark sayings from old, not dark as in they're bad, but that this is like a riddle that you wouldn't really understand apart from me revealing it to you. Things that we have heard and known. Well, how did we hear and know these things that he's about to tell us? It's because he says that our fathers have, what? 
told us. This word here, told, is going to show up two more times in the text. It's kind of a key word. It's going to be commanded for us to do here in a second. The word literally means to communicate a story through written or spoken words. He says there's a story that was communicated to you and I through written or spoken words from our fathers. And I think mothers, you're included in this because the rest of the passage, he's going to use the generation word. There was a generation before us that told us a story. What kind of a story? Verse 4. We will not hide them from our children, but tell, there's our word again, communicate a story through written or spoken words to the coming generation. The glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. There's a story. There's a story that needs to be shared that was shared with us that we need to share with the next generation. If you're taking notes, the main point that I believe Asaph makes in this passage is he tells us to tell the next generation what God has done. He tells us that we have a responsibility. And that responsibility is not just about us, it's about those who are going to live their life after us. We are to tell them what God has done. We are to have like 150th anniversary and tell the stories, not of how good we are, but of how good God is. To tell the story of what God has done. Keep going with me. He's going to keep making this point. Verse 5. He, God, established a testimony in Jacob. What's a testimony? Testimony is what you've experienced, what you've seen and heard in your own life in Jacob. And appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. We're supposed to pass something on to the next generation that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. Do you notice perfect timing? Kids making noise right here in the room. That is so good. I'm so glad that we have in this room babies and very senior adults. Because that means we can actually obey what this passage tells us to do. I'm so thankful that God has given us here at First McKinney a multi-generational church. That we have 150 years of stories of God doing stuff. Not us, not we're great, but He is great. And He works in the lives of His people. I feel like I just scared that baby off. I didn't. That was like perfect, right? We have a multi-generational church. We can pass on to the next generation. Why would we do that? Why? Why is it important for us to tell the next generation what God has done? Asaph says, I'm so glad you ask. I'll tell you. Verse 7. So that they, the next generation, so that they should set their hope 
in God. And not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be really cool if I could tell you there's something that you could do to help the next generation have their hope in God, to, to have knowledge of God, and be obedient to God? What, what, like, if, if today I could challenge you corporately, which we're gonna try to do, but also individually to exercise something that would change the future of the world because you would help someone to put, again, their hope in God, to have knowledge of God, the next generation, and be obedient to God. Wouldn't you wanna do that? Well, what do you need to do in order for that to happen? He said, tell the next generation what God has done. Tell the next generation what God has done. Here's a video I wanna show you here real quick that was uh, impactful to me. I'm gonna get to verse eight in just a second. This is a video, a compilation of pictures from a family watching the aging process. Now, these are just like, again, back to back so you see what's happening. This is what's happening in the life of every person in this room. Y'all know this? You're getting older. I think I've showed you this once and just made you really excited about trying to get rid of your wrinkles. Your wrinkles are going the wrong direction and they, keep, they will keep going that way until you're upstairs or the other place, and I hope you're not there. Why do I show you this video? If you're on the younger end of the spectrum, in fact, all of us, younger is relative, right? You, you are blessed to be in a room with someone who's gone through more of life, and so, as they go through more of life, they have more experience with a faithful God in life. They, they can share stories of things that God has done, and when they do that, it will increase your faith. What we want to do in this series is exercise that, to not miss out on the opportunity to do that as a church family. Maybe uh, you've heard the story about a family that had a priceless heirloom that was being passed on generation to generation. That heirloom was a vase. It was a beautiful vase. It had been passed on from so many generations, they didn't even really know where it originated from. In fact, there were some rumors in the family that it came from royalty in Europe. It was this priceless vase. As they passed it on generation to generation, the family who had it in home had been in a special spot up on a mantle. Mom and dad decided to go on a date. Uh-oh, uh I heard someone say that. Come back home, they find their kids sitting on the floor. Kids on the floor say, hey, mom and dad. They say, yes. You know how we have this priceless heirloom that's been passed on generation to generation? Mom and dad say, yes. Well, this generation dropped it. <laughs> okay. Could it be, this family, by the way, that we were talking with a few weeks ago is not dropping it. This family... Could it be, though, that as a culture right now, that this, my generation, my generation is not telling the next generation what God has done? What would, it, what would it look like for us to be intentional, for you to be intentional about telling your story of what God has done in your life?
Asaph has made it clear that it's about what God has done, but just to make it a little more clear, I almost left off verse eight from the series <laughs> because if you read verse eight wrong, you're gonna think well, the point I'm making from it is not what I'm trying to make here, but look how clear it is that the point of the story is not what we have done, it's what God has done. Verse eight says, the words of Asaph, that they, the next generation, should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. What is Asaph saying? Asaph is saying, hey, I'm not the hero. My generation is not the hero. God's the hero. In fact, as you continue to read in the Psalms, the stories that he shares are about the people of Israel, Israel leaving Egypt. I put the two words together. People of Israel leaving Egypt, and then they fail again and again and again. But their failure is met by a faithful God. Great is thy faithfulness, right? And the faithful God is what he points to in the failure of the people that he's telling the story of. Now, we have some amazing pillars of Christian faith that are in our church that we get to stand on their shoulders of. But I don't believe they want this series to be about them. I believe they would tell you they want this to be about him. This week, had the opportunity to be on the phone with both Mac Roark, who pastored our church years and years ago. At one point, he was gonna come and share in this series. And he was telling me, Sam, no, I just, I'm, I'm, I don't wanna be on the stage right now. And as we shared, I saw his humility and his heart to point people to God, not to him. So on the phone with Edna Puckett, who is the wife of one of the longtime ministers in our church, asking her about her getting up front and sharing her story. You know what she was saying? No, don't put me on stage. I believe that the heroes of the faith, and there are many of them in our church, would get up front and you know what they do? They tell you about their failures and his faithfulness. So do we get to celebrate what God is? Yes, we do. Here, here's uh, an example of that. This is a picture of Buckner who was in the video a second ago. Buckner is one of the more famous Christians that came out of our church. Some of you have never heard of him, that's fine. There's an organization right now called Buckner International that God, God founded, helped found through him. Buckner International started with a, a bunch of orphanages as he had heart for the least and the last. When, by the way, he was here, he was volunteering his time so that the church could build its first building. He, he, uh, he helped start uh, one of the first women's leadership organizations in churches in our area. It eventually ends up becoming the WMU. Some of you all remember what that was. It was called at that point in time when he helped start it. It was called the uh, Ladies Aid Society. Uh, God, God used him to help start this orphanage. And now the, these orphanages have helped. Uh, after the first hour, I didn't even know this, I met a lady who said she's fairly new to our church. She's like, I grew up in a Buckner orphanage. They help hundreds of thousands of people with adoption 
foster care stuff. God's used them to, uh, to distribute millions of shoes in other countries for, for kids that are in need and through it share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. The number of people who've said yes to Jesus is staggering to think about. But Buckner was not a perfect person. I was reading Dr. Puckett, Edna's husband's history of the church, and in it he talked about Buckner, and he talked about how Buckner was not a perfect person. Buckner was overseer of a Christian magazine giving news, that was before the internet, of what God was doing in Texas, and there was a man that was a competitor magazine who lived in Houston, and that guy decided to move to Dallas. Buckner finds out he's coming to Dallas and he meets with the deacons at that point in time. He was at First Baptist Dallas. And he says, don't let him join the church. They vote not to let him join the church. But the pastor was not in that meeting. And two days later, it was Wednesday night. Wednesday night happens. The guy comes and the pastor presents him as a new member of the church. Buckner's like, what? No. And then Buckner split the church, took people with him. And then he actually split for a while the cooperative effort of churches in the area trying to plant churches. He split it for a while. And then he had people that loved him enough and were around him and he, they said, hey, this is not cool, what's going on here? And they were repentant, they turned from that mess and they came back together and God brought healing. But you know what I think he would share when he got up front? He, he wouldn't say, hey, look what I did. He'd say, look what God did. I'm unfaithful, I, I'm a failure. But God is not. He is good. And I don't know where you are in your life, but maybe as people share stories of what God does, you think that what, what God does is use perfect people. Read Psalm 78. There are no perfect people. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we got five weeks. This is week one. Next week, we're going to corporately, we get to have with us Chris Stoll, who was a leader in our church for a long time. God used him. We've asked him to share stories of what God has done and challenge us forward as a church. Jeff Warren, who God used in incredible ways in our church to help lead, is going to share stories of what God has done, and he's going to challenge us forward as a church. Leroy Armstrong, who many of you know and love. Leroy's going to be with us. I can't wait. He's going to share stories of what God has done and challenge us forward as a church. That's coming. And if we do this right, the next generation, you know what's going to happen? They're going to be impacted as they hear the stories of what God has done. We're going to have celebration stuff. September 11th, some think, wow, it's a bad date choice. Okay, it's just the way the calendar happened this year. September 10th, we're going to be serving our city. It's going to be an awesome time. Then we're going to have uh, food on the lawn with barbecue and all that on the 10th. And then we're going to have celebration services on the 11th. We cannot wait to celebrate what God has done. But here's the deal. I don't want us to just do it corporately. So I want to point your attention back to this. You'll see what I'm wearing? The shirt. Y'all notice that a lot of people around the room have a shirt? Right now, it's not because we're a, a cult. It's because they're free today, Okay. So if you just showed up, you're like, what's going on here? Our mission statement as a church is to make disciples who live in love like Jesus. That's what we say all the time up front, but maybe you don't know that the wording continues so that our neighbors, the nations, and the next generation will follow Jesus. The next generation is something that is incredibly important to us. We want this series to help us reach not just back in time, but forward in time. We want to talk not just about the last 150, but the next 150. And you know how we can better reach the next generation? It's you, you 
you, you sharing your story about what God has done. And so I want this shirt, every time you put it on, I want this shirt to be a reminder for you that, hey, if you're going to help us reach the next generation, you know what you need to do the day you have that shirt on? You need to tell what God has done. And you're like, well, Sam, I wasn't a church leader. I can't tell what God has done. If you know Jesus, you can tell what God has done. Maybe for you, you can tell the time about when financially you were in stress, but God provided in your life. Maybe for you, you can tell the story about when you were sick and there was not an answer, but God brought healing in your life. Maybe for you, you can tell the story of what God did when you, as a family, were broken and there was relational bitterness between you or maybe friends that you had separated from because you had hurt, but God brought reconciliation, restoration, and forgiveness. Maybe for you, you can tell the story of you living your life, not being able to take the next step because of an addiction that you could not get over, but God brought freedom for you in your life. Maybe for you, you can tell the story about anxiety, anxiety that was eating you up from the inside out. And through God's word, Christian community, time with him, maybe through Christian counseling, maybe through medication and help, whatever, God brought peace. Maybe for you, maybe for you, the most important thing you can do is share the story about you being lost and Jesus finding you. You running the wrong direction, going the wrong way in your generation, but then seeing the truth of the gospel, repenting of your sin, believing in Jesus, and following him as a disciple who was living and loving like him. Will you do that? This shirt that we're giving out, we don't want to be, and it's cool, like you'll get to see it around the neighborhood and you'll be like, oh, that, hey, do you go to First McKinney? That's fun, we've loved that with our other four shirts. Actually, I see an, another one of our four shirts right up here, yes, which is awesome, for McKinney. It's been fun to meet so many of you around our community with the four shirt. I want, when you put this on, you see Neighbors Nation Next Generation, I want you to be challenged to tell the next generation what God has done. Now some of you are thinking, I am the next generation. You can tell someone. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for believers in your speech, your life, your, your speech, right? So y'all hear me, okay? We're gonna do this corporately, but I want you to help us by doing it also individually. I want you to tell the next generation what God has done. Now, church, I almost stopped there. And some of you are thinking, good, you can be done with this talk, right? But I want you to see verse 9, because it starts telling the story of the people of Israel. And I want you to see their failure, because I, I believe, I believe this failure is something that we could fail in also, and I don't want us to. Not because of our strength, but because of his strength. What he's done, what he's done, right? Verse 9 says, the Ephraimites armed with the bow. This is after God brought his people out of Egypt and he was leading to the promised land. He had a future in store for them. He armed with their bow. What happened? They did what? They turned back on the day of battle. They turned back. Y'all know what happened, right? They ended up, that whole generation had to die off after that. They had to, to, to wander around in 
the desert for 40 years because they turned back. Church family, God has a future for us. There's a battle that's going on for the next generation. There's a battle going on, and it will be risky for you and for us if we're really going to fight it, right? It will be costly. There will be sacrifice involved. But the next generation needs us to fight it. Don't turn back. Don't turn back. One of my favorite movie scenes is a movie scene in Dead Poets Society. Anybody have seen that movie, Dead Poets Society? Yeah. The teacher, Robin Williams, takes his students first day of class out of class over to the trophy case. And he basically has them look at the 150 anniversary pictures of the school. And, and he, before, before saying what he was going to say, he said, hey, I, I, I want you to read the first part of this poem. It says, gather these rosebuds as you may. It's like, there's, there's something that can only happen right now because at one point you're going to be dead. And he has him, he said, I want you to get closer to the, the picture. I want you to look in the eyes. I want you, I'm going to put a picture up here. This is our, our, on our anniversary picture. This is the 1926 Vacation Bible School of our church. 1926 Vacation Bible School. I want you to, to think about the fact that Ver, now, there, there are few people in our church history that were alive in 1926, but they weren't that old in 1926. All of them now are dead. And I believe if they were here, they would tell you, tell the next generation what God has done. As you look in their eyes, they would say, tell the next generation what God has done. But some of them, some of them turned back. Some of them turned back. Others did not. Were they perfect? No. Others stepped into the battle. And I think those who both, maybe some of them are in heaven. Some of them maybe have never decided to say yes to Jesus. And they're on the other side of this place in hell. And if they were here today, they would call us as a church to look at what God has done and not turn back to, to force ourselves forward in the battle for the next generation. Are you with us? Seize the day is the word that he used. It's carpe diem, the Latin for seize. This is the, I can't choose to be part of another generation. Neither can you. The next generation right now needs us. The next generation needs us. So church, as we close, I'm gonna sit down here for just a second. Uh, the last Sunday of the series, we're, we're going to talk about what's on the, the front of our church. It's the, the Great Commission. God has called us as a church to make disciples so that the next generation can follow him. And that is going to be a battle for us. It, it, it has been. Praise God, history of our church, one of the great stories of how God has worked in our next generation ministries. But I've been in rooms with our next generation ministry people saying, Lord, lead us forward. Show us what is in store for us. Some of you, we had lay leaders together just a few weeks ago speaking into what is it that, that we can grow in and do better to reach the next generation for the glory of Jesus. We have a team right now that is also looking at our oldest building on campus right now is The Rock, and it literally leaks all the time. It has rotting walls, and it's like, what do we do with our facility to help reach the next generation over there with our children? And, and some of us, as we have these conversations, it's, it's gonna be like, man, that's hard. 
that's hard, I, that's, that's gonna be a battle, I don't wanna fight that. Some of us are gonna, in fact, all of us are gonna probably feel that on some level. But as a church, we're not gonna turn back. We're gonna tell the next generation what God has done. As, as a church, as a church family, together, we are going to step in to the battle that he has for us so that we, one day, when people 150 years from now, if Jesus delays, which he could come back next year, you know that, right? They can look back and tell the stories of what God has done. Y'all pray with me. God, I ask in the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would prompt through each person in this room this week an opportunity that they would see it. You're giving us these opportunities, but to tell what you've done, to share the story of you at work in their life. God, help us when you, when you give us these opportunities to step into the, the battle for, for, for the glory of Christ. Help us not to turn, but to tell the next generation what you have done. Help us, God. Lead us forward. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.